Episode 108 of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast brought to you by Fangraphs.com. I am Jason Collette, joined again by Eno Saris. We will have an abbreviated edition today because both of us have to be at the ballparks uh, here to start leaving at the top of the hour. You're going to one of them. I'm going to the Tampa Bay and Yankee series because I think I'm going to hit tonight in the lineup since they can't score any runs. Uh, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good. At least, at least there's baseball on my TV. There are a few games. I was listening on the way over, and uh, I had to shut off the Tigers radio broadcast because, man, they're bad. Such homers. It's really, <laughs> really, really bad. Uh, I just couldn't take it anymore. Every, every time Miguel Cabrera was discussed, it was big guy. I'm like, oh, come on. Anywho, uh, <laughs> since we've talked, it's been 48 hours, but there's actually been a whole lot of crap that's gone on. And I think the biggest surprise is George Springer is now in the major leagues. I don't think any of us saw this happening right away. But it has, and in a lot of unless I miss something in the drive over here, uh, what's the story with Greg Polanco? Uh, well, there's uh, Tabata's got a concussion. Yes, um, and so there's just always the question of uh, of when uh, when might he come up, and um, when Polanco might come up, and you know, given the fact that Snyder is already sort of starting every day, um, you know the. I actually don't think that Tabata's concussion means Blanco's coming up because they were giving Marte a day off. That's why Tabata was in the left left field. But Marte's a, 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 a definitely a, a possible, you know, an everyday starter. And they're treating Snyder as an everyday starter. So no matter what their timeline was uh, for for Polanco, I don't think it's changed very much right now. I think um, you know if they're if they're waiting for July one. They're not going to care too much about what's going on right now with uh, Tabata's head. Uh, agreed. I, that's why I thought they would be in that situation. So, I mean, with with Springer, they could call him up now because, obviously, the Super 2 is not a concern. It was just the extra year of control, and there was some talk. Evan Drellich from the Houston Chronicle had a really good article yesterday talking about how this affects Jonathan Singleton because uh, Singleton – because the way he was, he was on the 40-man roster, and they had to service time as an issue. So there's a chance that Jonathan Singleton could be called up on the 19th. Uh, so next time we talk, he may be up over the weekend. We'll see what happens there with him uh, and that issue. Now that, now that we've seen Springer called up, every single fan base is going to start screaming, why is it my guy called up? Why is it my guy called up? And I think we're already here, and we've been here in this since day one. Where the hell is Archie Bradley? And and we we saw Marcus Stroman sc- struggle a little bit towards the end of spring training, and he's down. But Archie Bradley, Arizona's a gigantic mess. And a lot of people are saying, where's Archie Bradley? Why is he pitching in Reno? Why can't he come up and do this at the major leagues? Well, I mean, the one thing with Bradley is that, uh, you know, of all the different guys, um, I think that he might actually have the most to work on. I mean, if you look at... Polanco's minor league rates, he's got a great strikeout rate, great walk rate, showing uh, power, speed. He's got good defense. There's really there's no real reason for Polanco to be down other than service time issues, or uh, you could call him blocked at the major league level, but I would never call anyone blocked by Travis Snyder. <laughs> uh, so, uh, 
So uh, that that's a legit question, I think, for that fan base. But they all they're used to understanding that their team is always thinking about long term goals and long term needs, um, and so therefore will uh, probably keep him down there. I don't I I don't want to say July first, but it could be. They've already gained the extra year, so you know there could there could you know they could have some ants in their pants. But in any case, Polanco is about money, I think. Um, whereas uh, Archie Bradley, you know, his issue is fastball command. And, you know, yes, his walk rate is good, but that doesn't mean that his fastball command is good. So, you know, we're not there watching every start. We're not watching how 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 he's able to put the fastball exactly where he, he wants. Because, you know, in the minor leagues, you can throw the fastball towards the middle of the zone, and if it's got giddy app, then, you know, and, and you've got great breaking stuff, then the guys won't, you know, won't have much to do with it. But if you do that in the ma- major leagues, they'll lay off your breaking stuff and they'll hit all your fastball mistakes. So uh, as much as I think Bradley is someone to be excited about, um, you know, the fact that they went to Cole Mentor and this other no name uh, says to me that Arizona is is sort of waiting to see something out of him. Um, and I don't think that it's it's so obvious why Bradley's in the minor leagues. It's not as obvious, I think, as his um, agent would have it. Yeah, uh, that was a little uh, crazy by the agent to come out and, and say that kind of thing. We don't see that many uh, outspoken uh, to do that kind of thing. But I agree. I mean, when you saw when you saw Bradley pitch again, sometimes in spring training, you saw some of the stuff against the the Australian national team. That's not a finished product, and you can see that there's reason why he could spend some time in the minor leagues uh, to keep focusing on things because you can't make those kind of mistakes at the major league level. I think maybe if Arizona were ten and four instead of four and ten or four and nine, whatever they are, uh, maybe that would be something. The, the attitude would be a bit different. Yeah, and you know, for what it's worth, Springer, there's actually uh, some other subterfuge a little bit. Um, you know, he, he was offered a, a, a long-term cost control deal, like the, the kind that the Rays give out, and uh, he turned it down. And there was some talk of a grievance being filed when he was sent to the minor leagues um, because he felt like it was a response to him saying no to the deal. That's the same thing with Springer. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were Springer. talking about Bradley. No, no. Is that's what? So yeah. there is, you know, in a lot of these cases, I, agents aren't happy with the the way that things are right now. That's obvious. And so here's an agent that was talking about a grievance, and here's Springer magically up once he's got the extra year, but before the Super Two. So, you know, it's kind of a, maybe a way for them to avoid any grievance, show Springer some goodwill. Maybe they do sign him to this long term deal now. Um, now that you know, basically his clock has started and everything, but. Um, you know, one reason I wanted to bring up Springer and Polanco, too, and, and there's a lot of people asking about them in my chats, is that they're very different players, very, very different players, but they they play the same uh, position, and they're going to be up this year, both of them. Um, I wanted to just talk about them because of strikeout rates, bust rates. I mean, uh, Springer, for example, is a top 30 prospect more than a top 10 prospect. Right. Uh, that's just that's just a fact of, of where he was ranked. I, I don't necessarily know where he would rank on my personal prospect list because I don't have one. But um, you know, so top thirty prospects have like a fifty percent bust rate, and so so even as much as we are excited about George Springer, we have to realize that his strikeout rate uh, plus the, the, his ranking makes him you know a 50-50 guy pretty much. Polanco was a top ten prospect. And he has great walk and strikeout rates, so he's in all the right bins yes. in terms 
uh, bus rates. And I would say that his bus rate is probably around 35%. So you're talking about uh, 35% versus 50%. Of course, then if you're talking about ceiling, Springer has way more ceiling because, I mean, the guy hit, what, 37 homers and stole 42 bases or something like that last year. So obviously he has more ceiling uh, than a guy. Polanco, I think, projects to be more like a 290-2020 guy um, at his peak. So you know, it, it, there's a lot of different things to think about when you're when you're when you're thinking about how much uh, FAB auction money to spend on these guys, how much to 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 worry about these guys. But I would say in a redraft league, I'd worry a little bit more about floor than ceiling because George Springer's not probably going to uh, hit his ceiling right away, and his strikeout rate probably makes him a little bit worse of a bet in the early going. And um, and he's also 24. Whereas Polanco is a younger guy, but he has a great strikeout rate, great walk rate. I think that he could be a little bit more likely to hit the ground running in his first year. Yeah, I agree. Somebody asked me yesterday what I would project, what I would give Springer number-wise now that we know he's up and he's going to stay up for the year. I said he'll hit 255, 260, and be 15 home runs, 15 steals, plus or minus two or three either way. Uh, that's where he, that's where things could be. I think the, I, I'm comfortable with the counting category projections especially with the ballpark and whatnot, it's just the batting average. That could be a 30-point swing. He could hit 230 this year, too. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, uh, I'm really worried. Yeah, batting average leagues, I, I, I just, I'm worried about that strikeout rate. And it's funny because that strikeout rate, you know, things don't map, you know, really well to the major leagues in terms of like, oh, he had a 25% strikeout rate, so he'll have a 25% strikeout rate or worse in the major leagues. Um, but, you know, a 25% strikeout, he's not right, likely to have a better strikeout rate than that in the major leagues. There's very few people. I mean, uh, Goldschmidt did it to some extent, but there was – you could actually see in Goldschmidt's numbers that the, he started improving in the minor leagues already before he hit the major leagues, and he was never an extreme case like Springer. So um, I, I think that uh, a best-case scenario has, has Springer striking out 25% of the time. And there are very few people that put up a good batting average when it's 25% strikeout rate. So uh, if you look at Steamer and you see uh, a, 20, a 250 batting average, I'd say even that is uh, would be a good outcome for him. Agreed there with him. And the other point wanted to look at was obviously a next next step down, Javier Baez versus Carlos Correa. A lot of people, you know, Carlos Correa is, is playing in Lancaster, which is in the California League. Javier Baez, I believe, is in Double A right now, uh, and also is he dinged up, or am I thinking confusing guys up? No, there's some injury with Javier Baez. I'm okay. looking it up right now. I know that someone brought it up in the chat. He has an ankle, and he was on the seven day disabled list. Which it's is not any? I mean, in, in minor that's, leagues, that's that's the only disabled list you have. Okay, that's not a big deal. But uh, I mean, his strikeout rate's not good, and it's been getting worse as he's gone up in the minor leagues. I'd be a little bit more worried about that than an ankle injury. It's still it's still beautiful violence when he's swinging though. It is uh, he does not get he does not get cheated. Kind of reminds me of Devin Messerocco. You watch Messerocco swing this year. He is trying to hit sixty home runs with every swing. And when he makes when he makes uh, when he connects, wow, uh, that is kind of, that is going. A couple of things came up, you know, injury wise. One thing in St. Louis, Joe Kelly hurt his hamstring. Hitting, this is why pitchers hitting is the stupidest thing in the sport. Uh, but he's going to be out for quite some time. Now they don't know, do we shift Carlos Martinez in the rotation despite his flaws? Do we call up uh, Lions from Triple, Tyler Lions from Triple A? Is that where they're going to go? That decision has not been made yet. Which way do you think they're going to go? 
Well, I mean, Martinez isn't really stretched out. He he was a little bit in spring, but they kind of made that decision a little bit earlier. Um, and I don't I don't think that he's necessarily like if they put him in, I think that it's almost a bullpen start day where they they give him three or four innings. Um, and you know, it's a little bit of mucking around with a young guy. You know, it's mm-hmm. I I I see the Cardinals as you know elephants and and making slow decisions and taking a long time. So I would say that I would guess that they go with Lions because Lions is stretched out. He's ready to go, and they've done this before. Right. Um, I mean, they let Lions they let Lions pitch last year. He made eight starts for him down in AAA this year. He he did pitch last night, so he's on the same slot as Joe Kelly, so he he can naturally just slide right in. He's he's made three starts down there, nineteen innings, eighteen strikeouts, uh, five walks, just one home run, and he's pitching in Memphis. And this is still Pacific Coast League, so he's been down there in the Pacific Coast League for parts of three seasons now, and he has. Uh, 207 innings in there, 373 ERA in that league. He's almost got one strikeout for nine innings. To me, this is the way I would go because you had a reason for putting Carlos Martinez in the bullpen, and yeah. that reason's not gone after two weeks. Right, exactly, exactly. And you know, Lyons is pretty cromulent. I mean, he's got a uh, he's got a 18% whiff rate on his changeup, 22% uh, whiff rate on his slider. Those those are good numbers. The changeup is uh, the slider. The, the fastball isn't great. Um, at 91, but it's got a decent amount of, of movement, and uh, the sinker actually gets a lot of ground balls. So he's not, he, you know, he doesn't have the velocity of a Joe Kelly, but he has better off-speed stuff than Joe Kelly. And uh, you know, he's a he's a lefty, isn't he? I'm sorry. Is Tyler Lyons a lefty? Uh, he is. Yes. Yeah, I think I think that they'll. De- I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that they'll go with Tyler Lyons actually, and. You know, not for nothing, the, Carlos Martinez has those bad platoon splits for a reason. He's a sinker-slider guy, and he doesn't have – I think when you're a sinker-slider guy, the, the thing that's missing for me so – I'm looking at, like, Pineda, right? right? I might be wrong on Pineda because the changeup's not great, but he looks he's looking really good. And even at a reduced velocity, I think the thing that Pineda has and that Masterson has in his good years is good command. Because, yes, if you have a really good sinker and a really good slider and you can put it exactly where you want to put it, then you can still have a good year because you can back foot a lot of stuff and, and you can figure out a way around lefties. But it's The whole problem is when you don't have great command. And I don't think that Carlos Martinez does have great command. So there, that's when you start leaving sliders in the middle of the zone. And, uh, and so that's, that's, I think, what Carlos Martinez needs to work on. I'm not sure he's going to work on it in the pen. So I think, I think he's a reliever long term. That's where I am too. I just, that's what a lot of people I saw yesterday on Twitter. Oh, Kelly's down. Martinez. I'm going to pick up Martinez. I'm rushing out to get Martinez. I'm like, man, th- those flaws don't just go away. You, you can't yeah. just say that there's a reason why that decision was made. Plus, when you have a, when you have a guy like Lyons naturally slotted, it just seems to make a lot of sense. Yep. I think they did that on purpose, dude. I mean, if they're starting the same day, that sounds like they did it on purpose. Yeah. And that day. Possibly. And then like, again, no, I tried. No I tried to do that with Nate Carnes when uh, when uh, Cobb Cobb went down and everything. And I picked up Nate Carnes in Tout Wars, and it doesn't look like he's going to start this week unless something drastically changes uh, over in Tampa Bay this week. What are they doing? Uh, Eric Bedard's pitching tomorrow night. I, yeah. I will be. I'm going to be over there tonight and tomorrow, and so Eric Bedard's going to pitch, and that'll be interesting. At least with the Yankees lineup being so heavily lefty, I mean, maybe that's the the, the secret sauce in it. 
the reason why they're willing to give Bedard another another chance. And Ramos is going to pitch on Sunday, I think it is. The other thing is Casey Jansen's return to the mound is yet again delayed. He's got soreness, discomfort in his abdomen, uh, and they said he is a he's going to cease throwing for a few days. Lower back soreness. It was upper back soreness, lower back soreness. This was a guy that that was. They thought it was going to be ready to start the season. Here we are two weeks into it, and he, this is the second time he's shut down. This is one of the reasons why uh, you know we were recommending go look at Sergio Santos. Santos has done a pretty good job uh, in relief there, but if you were counting on Jansen on making it back this weekend, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Jose Reyes will be back on Saturday. He will be activated uh, and get back into the lineup, so it looks like his, D- his stint on the DL is going to be just a day or two over the max. And I believe they were saying earlier because of the weather where they're going to be playing, they didn't want to bring him. They didn't want to bring uh, Reyes back up because they're in Minnesota right now, and I believe they go to Cleveland. And the weather's supposed to be pretty crappy in the first day or two of that of that stand, so that was going to be an issue. Um, you have a no so wait. So Reyes is coming back on Friday. Reyes is coming back Saturday. Oh, interesting. You know, on the Jansen issue, just because um, I love closers so much, ish, um, <laughs> the. The way I've been trying to put it is that I think I'll take Santos' save total over Jansen's save yes. total. And, you know, that that is kind of a wimpy way to put it. I know that. But the thing is, when Jansen comes back, there's going to be some pressure to put him back in the role. You know, nobody likes to be Wally Pipped. So I think that there is a chance that Santos loses the role. But I don't think it's going to be for very long because, you know, like I say, the only things that I see are velocity – and strikeout rate, and and you know Santos owns both of those things over Jansen. And then on top of that, you've got this reoccurring injury, this or or this this traveling injury that you know may reoccur. And and we know that past DL stints project future DL stints. So now you're talking about a guy who's looking like he's going to be injured off and on this year, and and it may turn into something worse. I mean, if you've got something like this, it's all over your back. What is it? Exactly. You know? Something's something's compensating for something else. Yeah, exactly. And he had a, he had a sore shoulder to begin with. This is how this all got started. So when you when exactly. when this stuff starts moving around, that means something else. It's, it's compensating for something else. Um, yes, I, I I definitely you know when 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 so some people said they dropped Santos because they heard Jansen was coming back, and I said well I don't know about that. I'd I'd, I'd hold Santos even after Jansen comes back. I mean unless you got an actual closer you're dropping Santos for, I would I would hold him for a little bit. I mean I like Santos. Let's say Jansen was coming back tomorrow. I would still like Santos better than, uh, you know, like a Kyle Farnsworth or, uh, uh, you know, Danny Farquhar. You know, any of those guys because Santos has has a taste, has some saves, and has, uh, you know, has some stuff on top of Jansen, you know. So it has, has, has all the – checks all the boxes right. that Jansen doesn't. So uh, even though I like – Jansen, I like what he does. I like the the command is really nice, and it's really cool to talk to him about it. Um, you know, Santos just he's the t- prototypical closer. You know, fire, fire, breathing fire. You know, all velocity, strikeout rate through the roof. So uh, that's that's I think what 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 managers are looking for. That's also why I don't think that you know Ernesto Frieri is, is struggling a little bit in, in Anaheim, right? But I think that Joe Smith is a natural uh, closer. He's he's kind of a roogie sinker slider guy. He throws 87, and there's not. And Dane De La Rosa was down in the 80s too, and he's his shoulder is hurt. He's so also I, in the minor leagues. They demoted him the other day. Yeah, what happened was that they demoted him, and then they decided to DL him. So there's something going on in the shoulder. What I think is going on there is uh, that Frieri is safer than he seems. 
because all of a sudden now the best option is Michael Cohn, who doesn't really have any pedigree. He has some you know, velocity, but he has some command issues. I don't see them just like handing Michael Cohn the role because Freire blew up one save. So um, I think Freire is a little bit safer, and uh, you know I wouldn't be dropping him or anything. I agree. I mean, with the guy, 37 of 41 saves last year, and he had a handful of implosions. But other than that, it was good. And you're going to take the good with the bad right now. I don't know if, if, if Anaheim has the option of switching things around. Wanted to bring up Brad Miller. When we look at Brad Miller, he got a single today. Seattle and Texas are playing a day game. He let up, hitting second, hit a single. His slash line to start the year is a pretty bad 213, 250, 393. And what really stands out with him, one walk and 19 strikeouts and 64 plate appearances. The uh, the swing and miss rate is up 14 percentage points. The uh, the chase rate is up 6 percentage points on him. And uh, and they're just filling the strike zone with him right now. He's got three home runs and two extra base hits. Uh, but there's a that's, that's a pretty serious drop in contact from a 15.5 to a 30.2 strikeout rate. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the one thing actually that worries me more than any of this, because we're not really in a big sample yet for Brad Miller, um, the thing that worries me is the defense. And it's not, it doesn't look like cumulatively bad yet. The the cumulative defense numbers are okay. But um, in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of, you know, standout plays, he kind of blew that game the other night. And uh, kind of, he blew that game the other night and, uh, and it was not a hard play. So, you know, that's what worries me the most because Nick Franklin is not really a shortstop, but if they decide that, that Brad Miller is not a great shortstop either, then, uh, then there's a problem there because, you know, I think that Miller can survive having a 22%, 23% strikeout rate. Um, you know, once the batting average on balls in play, you know, comes back up to speed a little bit, and he and he stops reaching. I think he could be pressing. I mean, it's his first year as an incumbent in a role like this. Um, I, I think a lot of these things can even out on the bat side. But if they don't think that the glove side is that great, then Franklin, in some ways, has a maybe a better bat than than Miller. Um, and so, you know, you know, if they think, okay, well, Miller's not that great defensively. Neither is Franklin, but Franklin's bat's a little bit head. Let's just put him in. But what I heard when Franklin's coming up, that he might play some outfield and he's going to be a utility guy. So I don't think that we're, you know, in, uh, you know, the Billy Hamilton concernometer is not into, you know, red yet. But, um, and I'm not dropping him either in mixed leagues. I, and I'm not, I'm not too concerned. It's not the greatest start, but I, I'm holding on to him and I'm not, I'm not looking at Nick Franklin like he's going to take his job just yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, when they, they called up Nick Franklin, so I'm, I'm happy because he was on my Tout Wars bench, and I wanted to use him. I've had to carry Alex Gonzalez in my lineup over there. So I'm like, when he called him up, I'm like, thank God I can finally put Alex Gonzalez in the bench and, and use Nick Franklin around. I just want to see where the playing time is going to come. If it comes at the expense of Brad Miller, it helps me in some leagues. I, I pretty much have a split shares of the two guys. The leagues I don't have Miller and I have Franklin in. So you know, we'll see where that situation goes and keep an eye on it. The other thing, before we get into the meat of the, the show, 
part is AJ Burnett's hernia. I heard I was listening to the game on the, the drive over here to Tampa Bay today, and they said that they they've shortened Burnett's stride in the bullpen. They've shortened it by six inches. They said that it was getting a little long on him. It was leading him to be wild. It was actually causing some of the discomfort with this hernia. So they've shortened his stride by six inches, and, and that's the way he's going to pitch moving forward. Hearing that, what are your thoughts on Burnett? I immediately think that this uh, reduced velocity is is going to hold all year then. Um, you know, extension leads to velocity in my mind and, and at least proceed for velocity. So, um, you know, he, I would I would say that he, you know, will average about 91 and a half, maybe maybe a little bit closer to 92, but he won't he won't crack 92 for the year in terms of um, sitting there. So um, a little bit less velocity means a little bit less upside. Uh, on the other hand, I like his knuckle curve a lot, and um, I think that uh, and he's still throwing that sinker a lot, so he's still got the 52% ground ball rate. I don't think that he's destined for a whip near two, so uh, I think he's still rosterable in mixed leagues. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm a little concerned here when you're when you're talking about changing deliveries and such like that with the muscle memory and everything that's involved here. And, and, and give me a, give me a little bit of pause when hearing that on the radio. I don't. I have one share in Burnett, and it's in uh, labor it's with Paul and I ha- have him together. So that's where the only place I have him. It did give me a little bit of pause there, but at this point, you just ride it out and see what's there because the strikeout potential is still going to be there. Pitching in that uh, NL East when you're facing teams like Atlanta as he is today, and he's got four strikeouts and and six over six shutout innings so far in a scoreless game between these two teams. Uh, the last topic of the day is going to be the, the, the meat of the story. You're working on a story for Sports on Earth about decrease in velocity so far. You've looked at pitchers that have you know, most of these guys are going to have made two or three starts here, and you compared their 2013 fastball velocity to their 2014 velocity, and you've got a table of roughly uh, 25 guys that I'm counting uh, that have lost at least a full mile an hour off their fastball velocity from last year and one of the names that stands out to me is the guy that's getting shelled in the first inning in texas and that's erasmo ramirez who's dropped 1.6 miles an hour and uh, just gave up three runs on four base runners in the first inning in arlington yeah and i mean the the sort of the the way this piece came about was i just thinking about aging curves and about the fact that velocity just goes down from day one and you've got erasmo ramirez here he's 24 years old you don't think that you're going to lose a lot of velocity but He's he's uh, averaging under 91, and the kind of the, the, the big difference for Erasmo Ramirez uh, in prospecting because you know he doesn't have any pedigree. He wasn't a guy that was on prospect list. The reason that he sort of burst onto the scene in terms of prospect list is that he all of a sudden came to camp one year and was averaging 94 on the fastball. I mean, he's always had a good changeup. Everyone said he's always had a good changeup, but if he can't, if he doesn't have enough fastball and enough breaking, then he's going to be in, in the bullpen. And uh, you know now he's he's down to ninety below ninety one, and it's just going. I own some shares of Erasmo, but I did not start him today, not in Texas. And I think to to me at this point, Erasmo is a is a, a half starter, the guy that you start at home, and uh, that's about it. And I forgot to take him out of my lineup, and that's already on on top of the I, I left Phil Hughes in my lineup as well in my home league. So I, I'm suddenly a little little uh, sore on starting pitching this week. It's, it's not been a pretty. I'm hoping David Price can save me tonight. But my staff of Casimir, Price, McCall- McAllister's pitched very well. but And Bruce Smiley just needs to start a damn game. This is getting ridiculous. We're thir- third week into the season, and they're saying he may start this Sunday between rainouts and off days. Actually, he's going to pitch Friday. 
finally, I get a start at a Drew Smiley. I'm a, like well, ninth in strikeouts in this league because he's just on my bench the entire time. I think this is a, I think this is actually maybe one of the better ways they could limit his innings. I mean, it is that's that's the upside to it is it really helps because he only has like six innings pitched. Yeah, and 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 basically what they're doing is treating him like the fifth starter, and and so then he drumps up from like seventy seventy five innings uh, to one hundred and forty one hundred and fifty instead of you know trying to shoehorn him into a two hundred inning season. So um, I think that uh, it's a decent way. It's also a way to keep him around at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it when it's uh, very important, so I think it's a uh, it's not it's not great for people, and I know there's some people talking about dropping in mixed leagues. Um, I wouldn't do that yet. No. I, there's enough there to to hold on to Drew Smiley. He's not on this list of droppers, so uh, which is good because he didn't have a, he's not a big great velocity guy anyway. Um, but um, you know, there's actually you know my big worry might be there's a couple guys that come to mind. Right. Uh, Dan Straley and Justin Masterson mm-hmm. are top the list. And uh, Masterson's almost lost three miles an hour. He's down below 89, and Dan Streely's below 88. What I don't like about that is there's somewhere around 88, 87, 88, where uh, the fastball starts giving up a lot more homers. And so they're, they're in the danger zone when it comes to, to fastball velocity. And, uh, at least in Masterson's case, he throws his fastball a lot. In fact, on this list, he throws his fastball more than anybody. Uh, because I mean it's a sinker, but it's still it's a fastball. Mm-hmm. So here's a guy who throws his fastball almost 80 percent of the time right now, and it's an 89 mile an hour fastball. And you know, with other guys that start losing velocity, what you start seeing is they throw more junk. It's it, I, I actually ran uh, age against fastball velocity for one of my pieces, and it's not a strong correlation, but age age uh, predicts about 15 to 20 percent of the variance in fastball usage so basically what i'm saying is as you get older you know uh, you will use the fastball a little bit less you know that's just a thing that happens when masterson gets older he can't say oh well i'll just throw my change up more i'll throw my you know split finger more i'll do this i'll do that it's it's sinker slider that's it and it, i've never seen a, a you know maybe he can do the liriano but even liriano has a change up he can't be Romo in the starting rotation. I mean, he's not going to throw, you know, fifty percent sliders as a as a starting uh, as a starting pitcher. So he's kind of in trouble if that velocity sticks. And I don't know. There, you know, three starts in, we're actually talking about a, a fairly good sample size for fastball velocity. So this is this is a worrisome thing. And given his platoon splits, I'm not sure that Masterson is rosterable in mixed leagues. Dan Strilly's four years younger. I'm going to give him a little more leash. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I read a story. I was trying to, to find it as you were tra- as you were talking. There was a, something where where Masterson said, "Hey, I'm uh, I'm throwing with decreased velocity by, by intentionally. I'm, I'm trying to command my pitches more. This is something. I, it's 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 intentional. It's just not injury related. Every time I hear that, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't strike. It, I, I don't feel right uh, believing that one of the names that stood out to me because I'm confused by him is CC Sabathia he's one of six pitchers that have lost a full two miles an hour over but outside of that first couple of innings against Houston on opening day I I've liked what I've seen I think he had you know that bad inning and that bad inning against Boston a couple of times out but I think this would surprise people if I were to tell you that CC Sabathia's strikeout rate is six percentage points higher this year than it was last year He's halved his walk rate. His swing and miss rate is up. The percentage of balls put in play is down. The percentage of 
pitches chased is up. That's not, I mean, that doesn't fit the narrative of what's going on right now with Sabathia. I mean, I, I watched that start against Boston the other night, and he was cruising. I mean, he was getting the swings and misses and everything, and then he got, gave up a leadoff homer to uh, Johnny Gomes in the inning. A uh, broken bat infield hit to Ortiz, and then the whole inning fell apart. So the final, slot, the final stat line looked bad. But I'm telling you, the guy was cruising for a while. And you look at those numbers, again, I mean, he's, he's given up five home runs already. That's, that's a bit high. But he's still able to miss bats. He's still able to get strikeouts. He's really had three bad innings that have really set him off tonight and it set him off this season. And then tonight he takes on a Tampa Bay team that has been putrid against lefties. I mean, they've done absolutely nothing this year against any lefty, Vargas, Burley, uh, Singrani, I mean, hard throwers, soft throwers, whatever. As long as you're left-handed, you've been successful against this team. So I think it's maybe tonight will be his kind of coming out party. Like, oh, wait, hey, maybe CeCe's back. Because I liked what I've seen, despite the decreased velocity. He's pitching well without it, in my opinion. Yeah, actually, I think he's a really good name uh, to think about because there's so many things going on in different directions. So, yeah, he's, he's down uh, at 89 and it's two two miles an hour down. It could be um, only a mile an hour when he's peaking because uh, there is about a mile an hour difference between velocities now and in August. So there, you know, that's the caveat here is that a guy like Steven Strasburg, who's down a mile a mile one point two, he might actually get close to where he was last year because by August he should be you know cracking ninety five again. Um, the uh, but uh, so CC could get it back up to 90. He's not in that sort of 87 mile an hour danger zone just yet. Uh, the the flip side of that is and 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 or the flip side I don't know if it's a flip side but whatever. Another thing that he's doing is not throwing the fastball. So he's he's the second lowest or third lowest usage of his fastball in his career, and he's just up the slider and changeup usage. That's that's uh, that's what I'm talking about. Older older pitchers using their their secondary pitches more right. and also. Sort of being like, well, you know, if my ligaments are going to go, they're going to go. I, I need to, you know, get some outs here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the the last thing that I think what is that's what CC is doing really well right now is he's got a 74% first strike rate, and uh, that's the best of his career. I'm not sure if it's sustainable, but there are values in his career where he goes up to 66. Uh, I've seen values, full season values of 68 and 69. I think even 70. So if he keeps his first strike rate at 70%, what he's doing is starting everything out at, at, at 01, and that's just everything goes better from there. So it absolutely it, does. It's worth about 30 points of batting average. Uh, we talked about this on Tuesday. It's worth uh, 30 points of batting average, about 45 to 50 points in on-base percentage. Right. So so now now you 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 he's got excellent command. He's got two uh, break. He's got two off or secondary pitches that are great, and he's he's got enough fastball command that. Hopefully, he'll start avoiding these homers. And, and yes, the one thing that I would sort of ignore in the in the early going is a is a is a home run per nine rate over you know two, because that's just that just screams to me that he had like a three homer game where something was wrong, like you were talking about with Homer Bailey. Exactly. Get a good grip. It was cold, windy, whatever. I mean that just like with uh, with hitters, power takes the longest for us to understand. You know, a hitter's power does not stabilize until 500 plate appearances. So if you're talking to me about Chris Davis, I'm telling you, eh, he's still spraying line drives. It still looks okay to me. We don't know that much more about his power now than we did last year. So, um, you know, I would say the same thing about power against pitchers. 
CC, you know, yeah, the velocity is down, but the swing strikes are up. The first strikes are up. The command looks really good. He's using those other pitches. And the one thing that's really hurting him right now is homers. We don't know what that what that's going to look like long term. I mean, he's not going to have a 38.5% home run per fly ball rate for the season. So, I I'm not that I'm not saying that CC is going to be an ace. I don't uh, fantasy number 2 is is stretching it a little bit, but do I he could have a 3.75, 3.8 ERA the rest of the way. Yes, I do think that. I think that he could do that. I think he have a decent, good strikeouts. That that's rosterable in in any fantasy league. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I just think he gets people are are, are trying are talking bad about him. I've seen people's like, oh, maybe as he burnt out, as he busted, and I absolutely disagree. I, I'm like I said, I, I really liked what I saw at that last start until it all fell apart. Now he he may be prone to some of these things these bad innings or whatnot, but you could see the pieces there. I think it's a nice buy-low opportunity on a CC uh, when you look at the overall numbers and try to uh, try to talk somebody else out of them. Maybe the name value, oh, forget it. You know, he just gave up. Maybe a Yankee fan frustrated in how he just performed against uh, against Boston the other night. But um, I think there's I think there's some pretty decent profit here for Sabathia if you're able to pick him up. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I'd like to flip this around and say, you know, who are you not worried about? on this list who am i not worried about francisco liriano uh, i thought he looked fantastic the other day against the against the reds he did give up his first home run to a lefty since 2012 um, when uh, adam, when adam dunn was the last guy who had homered off him as a lefty in, in july 23rd of 2012 Votto hit one but i really like i like the swing and miss stuff that i've seen out of liriano that's pressed me i like what i've seen from dan heron so far i think he can his velocity has gone because he's just aging, but he's looked good with what he's doing. I like what I've seen of Mark Burley, Jason Vargas. I mean, these are guys I don't think that velocity is never coming back, and that's not injury. That's just, you know, things are falling off for him. Uh, Jeez, not worried about Chris Archer Burley. either. Mark Burley. Who was that last one? Chris, Chris Archer. Archer. No, I'm not worried about him. And Ar- uh, Strasburg. I mean, there's a lot of guys on here. I'm not. I'm only worried when they fall below 90. But in the case of Mark Burley, because he locates his ball extremely well, and yeah, his average fastball velocity is about 84 right now. He's he's getting he's getting into Jamie Moyer territory. 83. I can't believe it. I I, I thought I, I had to do a double take when I saw that. And don't Mark forget, he struck out 11 guys this year in a game. Yeah. And it was with 83 fastballs because he he locates them. It's fun to watch that guy pitch, especially if you're covering a game, because that guy can throw 10 pitches in a minute. If you let him, he gets the ball back up. I want to throw it again. Get the ball back up, throw it again. And he just, when he's on his game, man, it's fun. As long as he's not facing your favorite team, it's fun to watch him pitch when he's on his game because he cuts it and moves it and locates it. And it's like he's he throws it below swing speed for guys, and you can see him like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock the crap out of this. Oh, I just swung over the top of it, and it's just. You know, he's one of the. It's fun to watch those kind of guys do what they do. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that I'm not worried about Chris Archer because I'm still, still agnostic about his changeup. But the fact that Chris Archer and Steven Strasburg are still at 94, I mean, yeah, they're not at 95. They're at 94. Well, give them a couple months. That'll be 94, three, 94, four, 94, five. It won't. I don't think it'll be effectively as big of difference as you know the guys who are three and two miles an hour down. So I'm not so worried about them. Um, I guess you're right. I mean, Burley. What's the difference between 84 and 83? I don't. Nothing. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Bur- uh, Heron. You yeah. know, when you're left-handed, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Heron going down from like 89 to under 88 is a little bit concerning, but he's got a nice home park. 
he knows all about this. I, I have a conversation with him that's going up um, next week. And he, he basically said, I'm throwing the, I'm throwing the, uh, the cutter more. I, throw, I went to the cutter from the four-seamer because of my declining velocity. So he knows, he knows who he is. He knows that he's, age is coming for him, and he's just doing the best he can with what he's got. So I think Heron is actually – and he's in the weaker league. You know, that's nothing, nothing to really worry about. So those are some, some good names. Um, I, I agree with a lot of those. I mean, Vargas down to 87. I don't, I don't think, um, you know, I'm not too worried about, about that. Although I'm not that high on Vargas. So it just doesn't change my opinion of him too much. Uh, Sonny Gray is interesting because he was so high profile in the, in the, in the, in the playoffs, hitting 96 against Torrey Hunter. You know, he hit 96 against Torrey Hunter three times in one at bat. That was the first time he'd done that all year, or he'd hit 96 once all year. So we sort of remember Sonny Gray with this great velocity. But, you know, for the season, he, he had a 93 last year, mm-hmm. and he's basically looking 92 right now. So do I think that is the reason for, you know, worry? I don't. I mean, the results are still good. I think he still, you know, he still kind of needs to refine one more pitch if it's a sinker or the changeup. One of those two pitches is going to be unlock him a little bit more. But with that home park, with that curveball, with enough velocity, um, I'm not I'm not trying to ditch Sonny Gray right now. No, so. same thing with this. I see Estrada on the list, and I, I've long been a believer. I mean, he's a guy barely tops 90 anyhow, but as long as his changeup's good and he's keeping the ball down, I'm fine with him. The other, the other name I see on this list that gives me pause, not that I have him, is Wandy Rodriguez. I know the Pirates are counting a lot on him, but if he's going to be working 86 to 88 – and that's going to be it. That I don't see how that works out well long term. Yep, and I uh, I see David Appleman trying to call me. So there we go. So that makes us a wrap up for the uh, for the show. And again, we'll do the Sunday night thing. I just got to work out a time for uh, to, with Nick, but we'll have a recording on Sunday so you guys can get help with your lineups. Thanks for listening, and please tune in next time. All right, next time, guys. Thank you.